Okay, so we're going to try this. Um, it's a nice, beautiful day in Southern California. It's very breezy, and we do live under the flight pattern of the Santa Monica Airport. So uh, what you're about to hear throughout the podcast in the background are a lot of planes. So, you know, if you're used to uh, noise pollution, it'll feel like uh, you're just outside with us, or uh, it'll be distracting. We'll be the judge of that. Hold for plane. <laughs> if we held for plane on a day like today because it's a Saturday and the planes are taking off, just, uh, it'll, you know, there'd be no podcast. So we're just going to try to push on through. If it's a particularly loud plane, we might, you know. Well, I'm going to look at my engineer here and ask him if we should continue on. <laughs> and my co-host and my co-producer. He's got a lot of power. Um, so we're talking about Preacher Season 2. I don't know if you've been watching Preacher out there. I think a lot of people have. We're not sure if it's renewed for Season 3 by the time maybe this airs. Uh, that will be a thing. But season two ended up being a really good season, although if you were watching it week to week like we were, we found that that was kind of not the way to watch it. So I'd recommend if you haven't watched Preacher, you're in a good place because you can go on, you know, I guess you have to have cable to watch it, right? AMC, yeah. Yeah, if you have AMC. But, and AMC doesn't let you a la carte, so I think you have to have cable to see this yeah. series. And it takes a while for it to go to, like, Amazon or wherever it ends up. So... If you have cable, <laughs> the capacity to, uh, or however you get your television shows, I'm not going to judge how you get them. I would recommend sitting down and just watching it in a, a good binge. I think it suffered uh, in our initial watch from just watching it week to week. It's not that it's a weak show. It's just that it's best sort of taken in in all of its some parts all at once. You know, some shows like Game of Thrones... You want to have that week to process and talk about it. Um, and I'm sure some people do this with Preacher as well, right? They sit down and they, they dissect that episode, compare it to the comics, um, and kind of see where it lands every week. But for me, I found that I had forgotten so many good things that happened at the beginning of the season. And also because it, it fell on, I mean, it, it was playing simultaneously as Game of Thrones, Right. So it's, and Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks. So it's it it was the pacing for at least for us. I and I'm the same way. Is that the pacing of the story? You really need to sit down and binge it, and yeah. not have anything else distracting. Distracting. Yeah. So that I think that was your. Yeah. It's a good point that we were focused on Game of Thrones. We were focused on Twin Peaks. There were several other things sort of rolling alongside it. Insecure was out there, so I didn't really give this show as much love as I did when I sat down to rewatch it. And I, that first episode in season two where they're on the road trip and they come across the Texas Rangers, I mean, it just starts with a bang. And until we get to New Orleans and we end up at Dennis's apartment, a lot of stuff goes down. And then, then I felt like, okay, it slowed down for me. But what the show was doing in those episodes in New Orleans was getting into Cassidy, Tulip, and Jesse's dark sides their struggles there, the broken people there is I, I did notice a sense as I mean even going from season one um, and especially into season two it seems like episode by ac- episode it gets darker and darker super dark I mean and like, in there really dark it really does and and I appreciate that about the show that it goes there and you're kind of like I think I was watching toward the end of the season that first time around going, you know, why is everybody so moody and why are they separated? Well, it's because they all had to go on their own kind of separate journeys. You know, Tulip 
we got to see a little bit of her background, season one, season two. She's basically in foster care. Her only family, living family, uh, that she cares about is Walter. And when she finds out that Anvil has been wiped off the mouth, um, the face of the earth, essentially, she's the one who has the most to lose in that situation. Although Jesse lost the church, she loses Walter, the only guy who was in her life, the only authority figure. And as much as he was a drunk and he never had one line in the entire series, yeah. for Tulip who doesn't have family to lose this last person, I mean, it kind of sends her into a tailspin. And we also get to go back in the past and see how Jesse and Tula tried to make a go of having straight, normal lives with legal jobs. And, and Jesse wanted to have a child, and we find out that Tulip was thwarting that and had secretly returned to being a contract killer because that's where her life leads her. And we get, to, we get to see why, you know, they pull the bank job, she's pregnant, she loses the baby, they split up, she runs off to New Orleans to contract kill, marries Victor, he runs off to regain his father's church, and then Cassidy sort of lands in the middle of a field and becomes their their third wheel, their buddy. I love to see these three actors together, by the way. Yeah. I think my neck and neck, although I love Dominic Cooper, I really love um, Ruth Nega as Tulip, and I love Joseph Gilgan as Cassidy. I've seen him throughout the years in so many like oddball roles, but I feel like this role was just made for him. And I want to know so much more about Cassidy because he plays him so third-dimensional. He plays him so well-rounded. You know, obviously he's struggling with addiction, and his addiction is not necessarily the, the medicinal crack he's smoking. Um, it's, you know, we don't know this. If you've read the comics, he's got a, um, he's had a struggle with, like, being, like, a thirsty, bloodthirsty, you know, vampire in the past, and he's trying to fly the straight and narrow in the company of Padre. And, of course, he... It's not so secretly in love with Tulip. You know, he, he's found someone that he's in love with. And somehow all these broken characters truly understand each other or are trying to understand each other. I think that's the struggle in season two. But I appreciated what was going on with them. And when you get to that finale and you see all the heartbreaking choices that everyone has to make... I mean, it was a very quiet, slowly paced episode that kind of killed me. It was just yeah. really heart wrenching. Um, obviously, this is a spoiler. You'll see it in the tags, but you know, Tulip is left to bled out after being shot by Fe- Featherstone, and you see Cassidy, you know, who's turned Dennis. By the way, the the elderly the elderly guy's house they went to. I wasn't surprised that that was his son. He's saying to Jesse, there's no other way. I've got to, I've got to turn her, you know. He whips out his teeth. and To save her life. To save her life because she's literally bleeding out on the floor of the kitchen and Jesse won't, he's like, let her die. And I, I've been trying to piece together what that means. And what I took away from that because of Jesse, I mean, uh, Cassidy's final line, he's like, I've, I've been wanting to tell you something for a long time. We think he's about to confess that him and Tulip have had sex. Yeah. Before Cassidy knew Tulip was with Jesse, 
Because that's how it starts off. We the, think that that's yeah. what he's going to confess. That's from season one. And he just he looks at him and says, I hate you. I just want you to know that. And I think what he's saying is, you know, you would rather let our girl die than let her become a vampire. And you don't appreciate her and you don't care for me. You don't care for anyone but yourself in this quest for God. I think that's what I'm taking away from that. And Jesse's like, oh, just you wait. You hate me now. Just you wait. As they drive toward uh, a place that he has promised himself he would never return to, which is his grandmother's house in Angelville. Because we know from seeing a scene in season two, close to the end, that she has the powers of resurrection, but there's a price. There's, yeah. And I wonder what that, because they, you know, with the chicken, they just ended the scene with that, that line, you know, there's a price. And the so, chicken's still alive, by the way. Chickens don't yeah. live to be, a, you know, that old. Chickens and, yeah. like what? In the very end. 16 years old. That's true. Old. It's that same chicken. Yeah. So what is going to happen to Tulip if she's, if she's resurrected? I'm sure she will be resurrected. Uh, what is Jesse going to say to Cassidy about what he thinks of vampires? You know, because he's, he's made a couple of like, what, what is it when you're a racist against a vampire? He's made some very anti kind of statements, you know, over the course of the show about how he doesn't really respect vampires. And, and you're just kind of like, I don't know, I'm feeling for Cassidy because he's such a loyal guy. I think he cares for both of them. I think he really started out caring for Jesse in the very beginning and just saw how one focus he is and how selfish he can be. Yeah, he was his buddy. I mean, he even said, you know, we're mates and all this. And even in that, that church scene in the first episode where the angels are going to try to kill Jesse. Right, to, to get Genesis back, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is his buddy. I wonder when, it, do you think it was at that point where he wouldn't let her him save Tulip? I think it happened before then. Where he just, like, I hate this guy. I think it came to that point, but I think he's felt that way for a while. I think when they got to New Orleans, he sees... Yeah, that's when it started to crumble. Well, and Cassie, does, he doesn't have the background of these two guys. I mean, they're not sitting around talking about their feelings. They're usually talking, you know, Cassidy's monologuing about foreskins and how it's in your face cream and your food and whatever and ice cream. Or he's talking about, like, how certain popular films are overrated, like Big Lebowski or yeah. something. So huh. no one's sitting around saying... Let's share our feelings. This is not a group of people who share. But I think it starts happening at Dennis's house where Tulip's out all night long. She's going to the Hurt Locker. Uh, she's trying to feel something. And he's like, you don't know where your girl is. You're not checking on her. And he's constantly checking in with Tulip and where are you. And um, he's sort of caught between these two characters' isolation and has this time to process. Yeah. And is very reluctant even to turn Dennis, even though Dennis is at death's door, and finally reluctantly. And he tries to to teach Dennis, mm-hmm. you know, not how not to... Give in to your worst desires. Yeah, to kill everything. Well, and here's Dennis, like, what, the 70-something-year-old teenage wasteland vampire who's just blasting French music and eating prostitutes across New Orleans, which would probably go undetected for a long time. But he sees that he's literally, yeah, of course, he saved his son's life, but he's created a monster. Yeah. And he's, I think he sees in those last, in the finale, we, we see 
him realize this used to be me. This is our nature. And he actually literally says to him, you know, can you, he says, Papa, can you, you know, can you reject our nature? And one thing was weird was that at that end scene with him and Dennis, it's like you usually think that if you become a vampire, you have this strength. And it was weird. It was like he just sort of shut the, the drapes and he couldn't get in. I don't think these vampires, I think when uh, Garth Ennis created this series, uh, this is in 2000 when they were published. This it's is 17 years ago. Whatever state you're... You didn't have sparkly twilight vampires, you know, you had the... the superpowers after you get bitten. Yeah, I mean, like, you didn't... When did Blade come out? I mean, like, I don't think he... I think he has his own rules for his vampires. Well, the thing I noticed is, like, what he's doing here is it's very much like, a, you know, a Gaiman-esque... Absolutely. ...type thing. It feels like it. You know, where he's putting the, the immortal world into the mortal world, and their their characteristics blend. Sure. You know? Making the supernatural practical. Pra- yeah. And, and realistic, if you will, even though we have Genesis inside Jesse and angels are walking around on Earth and they create multiples of themselves when they die. Um, yeah, that's what I like about this show is that it's giving you a lot of background you didn't have in the graphic novels. And I love what um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and Sam Caitlin and all these gods have done uh, with Garth Ennis's help. He's consulting and writing on the show as well. Is He is being bold and taking his material somewhere um, quite new. And it is a bold show. It is. It, you haven't seen this before. I haven't seen anything like it. Yeah, it's To the treatment of it, to the yeah. open, to the music, to the way it's shot, it feels like a living, breathing uh, graphic novel. That's and, what I love about yeah. it. And the whole, you Plane. know... <laughs> that's Harrison Ford over there. We should just call out what planes are flying over. I don't know, that's... I don't know my planes. You would know. I don't know little planes. Um. But yeah, it comes, it's richly drawn. And I think these three actors, um, they couldn't have picked anyone better because the way Joseph Gilgan gives humanity to Cassidy, the way Ruth Nega, who's a blonde white girl in the comics, is, you know this biracial we don't know who her parents are but you know Ruth Nega is biracial she's Ethiopian and Irish uh, in real life and to see how she attacks this material it's very soulful and she gives um, for me a new depth to the comic character I like the comic characters as well I I have no truck with how they've changed them up I like both I think you can enjoy both renditions of these characters and then additionally, the people who are on the show who play the supporting characters, like Hair Star, is Pip Torrens is amazing as Hair Star. Yeah, he's the He's wonderful. He's awesome. And gives him even a humanity and a it's not just a, a flat character. I mean this could have easily just been give him the makeup and you know, let him come in and be the baddie, but they went far afield upon to to find a, this accomplished stage and theater actor and, and film actor Pip Torrens to play this character and he he plays it with relish it's uh, I really like how they uh, like a lot of the main characters they they're really well-rounded characters 
Yeah, know? even to the degree of um, what they did with Fiore in season two. Yeah. Um, and what they did with DeBlanc and Fiore in season one. But that, that whole bottle episode, if you will, uh, where you have Cassidy trying to cheer Fiore up. I mean, ultimately his goal is to have him call off the contract with the Saint of Killers, but he genuinely has a good time with Fiore. Um, they bond. They must probably knocked boots, too. But, um, and did a lot of drugs and, and played with beach balls and read Archie comics and took bubble baths together and ate banana splits. And I think for Cassidy, this is probably some of the best times that he's had in a long time. He's just on a bender. He's on a bender, and he's, having, he's got a mate. He's got a buddy to do it with. And so when Cassidy has to leave to continue on to the journey to New Orleans, I felt this real loss for Fiore. You know, yeah. and when Jesse says in the Genesis voice, you know, find peace, and Fior, who's the world is not the same with him. He doesn't like Earth. He's stuck here now, and he misses his soulmate, which is DeBlanc. You know, the only choice for him is to ask the Saint of Killers to put him out of his misery, because there's nothing here for him anymore. And even though he doesn't know where dead angel, dead angels go, you know. For a show that's supposed to be, when I first like heard it was being turned into a show, I was like, well, this is going to be good old, just smash them up, grindhouse fun. They've given a lot of depth and uh, and a lot of layers to these characters, like Eugene in Hell with yeah. Hitler. Uh, they're making you feel um, almost empathetic toward uh, Adolf Hitler. Noah Taylor is awesome, by the way. I've been watching him for years and, and things. He does a wonderful Adolf, playing him as kind of like the nerd that gets picked on uh, down in hell by all the sociopaths and serial killers and the like. And I love what they did with him in the end, so Eugene helps him escape hell. They're on Earth. They're on the bus. And, of course, Hitler's Hitler. He makes a run for it. He did. He's going to go run amok because... He ordered the killing of 11 million people. There's no... He tries to tell Eugene, he's like, I really do belong here. But Eugene, who is this naive young boy from a small town in Texas, is like, yeah, but you helped me escape. You're a nice guy. I don't know. You know, people can change. No, he's Hitler, buddy. And I think, you know, when he, like, runs the opposite direction, like, I have made a huge mistake, Oops. I think. Right. And so, he sort of skulks off. What the show could do with that in season three with Hitler running amok in this current climate could be pretty hilarious. Yeah. And the, show, the show is really bold. I mean, we end with God is taking a long piss in a hotel bathroom. His dog costume is... They met God, first off. He was the yeah, guy in the dog costume. The dog that was God. An actor had played him back in, um, in the church in Anvil. We find out, you know, Jesse and those guys hunt down this actor's, you know, agent... And we find out he was a real dude, and they shot him for real so they could send him to heaven so he could pretend to be God. Yeah. But God, who's taking a powder, is now tracking Jesse. He's very well aware of where Jesse is, and I think he trolls him. He's like, you're looking for me? I'm here in a back room, and this woman is holding me by the collar, and you can do anything you want to to me. And they're like, this is ridiculous. But Sam Catlin said, you know, on uh, Talking Preacher... With Chris Hardwick, he was like, "No, he's a he's a real character." Do you think when he went to the uh, the strip club, you know, and they're trying to find God at the strip club, and yeah. they 
And then right before that lady dies, she's like, "You're gonna shit your, you're gonna when you find him, you're gonna shit yourself." Yeah, and I can't wait for the big reveal on God. I mean, like, do you think he? Do you think he uh, showed up in the the dog suit? Yeah, no, that was him. They go into a bar first thing, first day in New Orleans, and go, "We're looking for God." All three of you. Yeah, and then they go down to the thing, and they, right. and, they and he shows them God. Yeah. But before he went to. Um, New Orleans, he stopped at the strip club because he liked the, the jazz. Yeah. So I was wondering, do you think he showed up at that strip club at initially? His, in a at, dog in the, the dog? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be cool. I don't know if they did a back, if they did a flashback and just a... I would get this, you're a god and you're just a ball of light. Um, you can probably wear any disguise that you want. So the show could play with, have we seen god in walked. other carnations? Have yeah. you been in a, another outfit? Because the show likes to, um, yeah. a show has a thing about mascots. Um, like back in Anvil, you know, you had the, what is it, the badger and the Indian or whatever it was. Um, you had these, you know, these That's right. These skins on things. So I don't know. I mean, I think the fact that the show is going to put God as a character on TV in this particular way is really fun. I wonder if uh, Eugene ever, if they, they tie all these loops at the end together, if Eugene ever runs back into Preacher. Well, I think they're and, destined. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly where he, they surface. I mean, they, are they in Texas? Are they, you know, where oh, they end true. up going? Because they come out of that hole and there's all the screaming. And, the, and we know that something's coming out of hell after them. We know we see the uh, the, the um, portal hole thing turn, you know, the the levers turn. So That's right. something That's is definitely tracking them out of hell. So I don't know if they're going to take season three for Eugene to be fighting off literally the powers of hell and he won't hook up with uh, Jesse anytime soon because you know where Jesse and Tulip um, and Cassidy are heading is if you've read the comics there's a whole world of hurt there at the at the ranch yeah in Angelville Angelville yeah they're um they're a voodoo black magic cultist kind of family and um, dark dealings and his um, Jesse's father married this woman with this really fucked up family, and he was always destined to die. I think they always hated him. They didn't like him because he was a real man of God. Plain. So there's. I think they're they're getting to in season three. Hopefully they're allowed to go there. They're going to get into some pay dirt. Well, in this case, some sunken. Um, coffins underwater kind of dirt they actually um there's an easter egg when they go to see um the scholar friend of his dad's i think his name is mike the older man who puts people in cages yeah so they're sitting in his kitchen and there's a fish tank that's behind jesse and they're asking about his family and he has a sort of distant look and you see this the, the thing yeah the, the little thing. sunken sea trunk that opens up and everybody's yeah. fish tank well that that's definitely telling us that I'm like, oh, we're going to go to Angelville at some point. So We had, at that point, we hadn't had the, that backstory scene. It hasn't been shown, shown it yet. It hasn't been shown yet. And that's pretty early on in the comics. Um, I've only gotten into, I think I've read like four volumes of it. So I know fairly well where it's going to go. But uh, the background's handled pretty quickly on. So that's kind of where they started. They started from the beginning. And the show is doing this wonderful thing of skipping around and adding new story and elements and layers to it. I just, I, I, 
I can't say enough, though, about that finale. Um, it got lost, like you say, in a in a sea of pretty formidable series, you know, with Game of Thrones and Twin Peaks and, and many others. There was a lot of shows that were rolling at the same time, but those two were, like, really eating up a lot of bandwidth. And just sitting there quietly and watching those last few episodes were like, wow. Yeah, that... that They're doing something real here. Yeah. When, when they had... Um, Tulip die. That was, I mean, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, I didn't know what was going to go down. But I knew something. I knew something bad was coming. I thought more of like when he, when Cassidy tries to, to change her. I thought that's the way the story was going to go, and then we're going to have no. And I like that they didn't. Yeah, they had her just straight up die. Well, I also think going back to something that's obvious, the reason that Cassidy has decided ultimately that he hates Jesse is because he loves this woman. Um, it's not just somebody he's hanging out with. This is a person that he truly loves. And he imagines himself, like, being with her. And they're about to go off just, you know, him and her and Dennis to Bimini. And she's bought him, like, 12 things of SPF 100. And he's thinking... I can't take Dennis on this voyage. I can't turn. You know, I can't hurt my friend. He's doing everything. He he literally kills his son so that he won't hurt Tulip. And he won't turn back into the man that he's fought so desperately to try to um, amend and rehab. He even lets the dog go. Yeah. Because we know how he is with pets. You know, gas station cat didn't fare so well in episode one of season two. Um, I'm kind of glad they got they got rid of Dennis. I was getting tired I like the actor, yeah. but I don't think I could have seen like another another season of. But they gave him a really great death. Oh, they did, yeah. Papa, <laughs> shit! But I kind of felt, I felt like, yeah, that's gonna happen. This is gonna go down. Um, they tied up some loose ends. A lot, a lot of things play. Um, the surprising appearance of Victor. Um. That guy is in everything. Yeah, he's great. Love that guy. What's his Anatole? He was in The Wire, wasn't he? I want to say he was, yeah. See, we do this thing where we... I, I memorize as many names as possible, and then we bring it up, and I go, Damn it! Um, but yeah, the guy's uh, his name is uh, Paul Ben Victor, and... He was in. He was in the wire, right? Because he was he was the the Greek sidekick in season two. I'm on on, on the I'm on the thing. I think that was him. Shit, tons of stuff, man. Yeah, I like. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was uh, Spiros. That's right. Vandopoulos. He's always great. He's great. I mean, he just he nails the character all the time. He doesn't even like really have to try. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff. Daredevil, Don Juan, In Plain Sight, The Invisible Man. Like, a bunch of... She's in everything. But, uh, and then Saint of Killers kills Victor. Um, and we're off to the races with the Saint of Killers. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with that character. I love Graham McTavish. Yeah, he was good, too. As the Saint of Preacher. Killers. Preacher. <sighs> right. Preacher. That's just his interrogation tactics. Preacher. Preacher. And then he cuts out your tongue if you don't give him the right answer. But Graham is doing a hell of a job. He's lots of fun. Just watching this plane, watching this cast, 
uh, go to San Diego Comic-Con and uh, mostly watching Joseph Gilgan, who's been unleashed on America, just be himself. That dude is like the real dude. He is, there's just no pretense with him. I think, I think even if I didn't know anything about Joseph, I would love Cassidy. But if you know anything about Joseph Gilgan and just what a truth teller he is and just, he's just, this is me. This is just fucking me. There's no, um, inner, there's no filter. There's just, there's no inner voice. There's just him telling it like it is. So I do appreciate him a lot. Does he, I mean, you said you've seen him in other things. Does he have, um... He's been in a lot of stuff that I would have seen that you wouldn't have seen. Notably, like, uh, Misfits. Uh, There was this wonderful, um... Does he have a range, though? Can he play... I I think he... I think he does. Um, I've seen him play... Yeah, he does. I'm trying to think what I've loved him in. Um, He was in This Is England... Uh, he was in a wonderful film in 2014 called Pride. Um, he was in a long-running uh, TV show uh, as a kid, Emmerdale. But yeah, um, mostly he's been in a lot of English, you know, British uh, shows and things. Started with Coronation Street when he was a young kid, that's what it was. But if you've seen him in Misfits, if you see him in This Is England, he's always, I mean, okay, so he's maybe always playing on that edge of sort of the punk outsider kind of character. But there are roles where he's he's definitely been able to find um, some new level. He's not always just playing some reckless guy. So, and same thing with Dominic Cooper. I've seen, you know, we've seen Dominic uh, do some things. But really, the, the actor's actor here in the cast um, is Ruth Nega. Yeah. Uh, Ruth is Oscar-nominated for Loving. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but you said it was really good. Her and Dominic have been on stage together. She has a, a steady stage presence and a lot of credits to her name. Um, I just like looking at her face. She has the face of an angel. She's like my girl crush. 2017. Probably 2016 and 17. Ruth Nega, girl crush. She's wee, and she just can pack a bunch of like she can emote like nobody's business she just just all in her face it's just right here she just gets it done so uh, and she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. which I had forgotten she rocks it out in this uh, in this show yeah I forgot about that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one so but there was a a little bit of a concern about the numbers uh, of this episode it was the third or fourth rated AMC uh, show I don't know. I hope it didn't fall behind Fear the Walking Dead. No offense to you guys, but that show, I'm really not. I, I hear season three picked up. They lost me in season two. I was one of the only people I knew who watched season one and part of season two. So I don't know. Um, but it is attached to the Walking Dead franchise, so maybe that's what gives that its numbers. But for this show to just stand on its own and be so brave and be so new and be so its own thing, uh, I'm glad that people didn't, like make it feel like a network show and pull any cheap punches and it wasn't predictable to me. Yeah. You know, even though at times I want to say long about episodes five through eight ish, it felt like it slowed down. But if you sit and you do the binge, you needed those episodes to be informed about where they took the time to build a story. 
it's the same thing with Twin Peaks of Return. Mm-hmm. Don't push me. Leave me alone. Let me just go and create the show and do what the hell I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that Rogan and Goldberg and Caitlin have that kind of clout to be able to just tell a story and stick with it. It's awesome, I promise. So. Yeah, hopefully they get a chance to, to continue to do it because it really is a good story. And the, and, and the, the casting is, is, you know, going back to rewatch some of the old, earlier scenes, it was really good. Even, like, his friend, his, 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 the guy who's in the, puts the people in the cage. Yeah. He's an amazing That's classic actor, too. character actor, wonderful guy. Yeah, they're, they're getting top-tier guys coming in and, and, and women coming in to play these parts. You know, Featherstone and her sidekick. Um, no, they've done, they've done a hell of a job with the casting on the show. Visuals, like I said, production of the house in New Orleans alone was just awesome because it was like gross. Dennis just sitting there watching that Three Stooges all these years, like drinking red wine and dying. If they, if if the next season is is a lot is is, is action packed, I think, or just a little quicker, I think maybe. I don't know. I think, like I'm saying, I think they should be allowed to do what they want to do. So, um, like season one, if you look at season one and you look at season two, season one feels almost like a completely different series. It does. The characters are in a completely different place. It does. Um, you know, you had the, the, the King of Meat. Yeah. Um, that actor is amazing. Yeah. You know, you had so many uh, beautiful renditions of characters and we were in a completely different headspace with these guys. It wasn't until... It felt a completely different yeah. show. Like It's almost like an uh, American horror story where you're using the same characters going into each season. Yeah. So when, you, when they finally get to New Orleans, that's when it just, for me, it starts to turn and become almost a different story. And I think because they're returning to um, maybe more of the comic book material, um, it felt that way. Because season one, I mean, I had just read the comics before I started watching season one, and I'm like, well, none of this is in the comic books. What the fuck's going on? Yeah, the, it, it gets it gets um, it gets dark without a lot of the the uh, uh, sort of funny wit that it had before. Right, but it still had its comedy. It still had um, a lot of deadpan. Yeah, the humor is very. Dark. And I guess we get uh, the probably one of the highlights of season two is we get to meet uh, Humperdoo, the inbred incarnation of Jesus, who's just uh, not getting it done. And I love how they played like the original Jesus, like he was just a bro hanging out with his buddies in Malibu, and he was just like gonna dip out after the Last Supper and like lose his virginity, and uh, has this baby who ends up becoming this incarnate, you know, he can't eat his own hemorrhoids kind of guy yeah it's it's yeah they do push a lot a, a lot of limits on this i would assume that there are a lot of people who um have a certain kind of disposition or belief system would not find this show amusing at all yeah maybe maybe one would say blasphemous yeah uh, almost as blasphemous as doing a podcast out of doors under a uh, flight pattern in the podcasting world, this is actually something you would you should never do. But we're doing it. We're being bold. We're being brave. We're making it happen. So I hope season three ends up being awesome. I hope there is a season three. 
I think they have a lot of places to go with it. Um, I want to see what these characters do next. Yeah. I want to see what Hair Star does with the 1% of Jesse's soul. Uh, and then what happens with the Saint of Killers. And we know that Tulip's probably going to come back to life, but in one, what sense will she return? Yeah, Because I don't gonna... imagine the show with just a Jesse and a Cassidy. No. You, those no. three characters need to be together. And how is, yeah, how is Tulip changed? I'm really curious to see what that... Did she become immortal? Because that chicken is certainly fucking rocking around like, like no time has passed. What the, um, what the price is... Because we never, we don't even have any sort of bellwether or gauge to be, it's not like, well, is it like a hundred years of servitude? Is it, I mean, how bad is that price? Well, what did Jesse pay? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, no idea what Jesse paid just for that chicken. Just for a chicken. What did he give up? You know, so it's like. So much less for a human being. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how they bring back Tulip. I, I can't wait. And what capacity... I mean, is Tulip really going to be Tulip? Like, the Tulip from... You know, that's going to be interesting. I, I, I can't wait to see that. Whatever it is, I'm sure Ruth Nega will handle it like a rock star that she is. The boss. Because I love her so much. Um, yeah. So that's it for Preacher. I, I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys go back and watch. If you haven't watched the series at all, what a treat. You get to watch seasons one into season two. That's a good watch. It's a good thing to do uh, as shows fire up for the fall. The only shitty thing is, is that you have to watch it on demand. Yeah. And it has the fucking commercials. I don't like the commercials, man. It's just, you know. I have to say, I like I like a commercial-free environment. Yeah. But you just kind of have to you have to deal with it in this current climate. Until AMC gets its app shit together, we can't even watch it on our uh, app because it doesn't play with uh, Time Warner Spectrum. Thanks, guys. They yeah. keep asking me in a survey, what do you think of the app? Well, it sucks, dude. It doesn't work with Time Warner. Time Warner's probably got beef with... I don't know what's going on. I don't know the politics of all that. But I just know that if you guys really want us to be able to watch, those of us who are stuck with Time Warner Spectrum, we'd like to be able to watch your show on the app without any commercials and just uh, enjoy the story and give you the ratings that you want to keep no. the show on the air so you can have money. Well, you know, with all the, the new technology and the streaming and all that, they're they're probably and you know all these outlets. They're probably restructuring all these deals constantly. I mean, know. like there's there's huge wars between like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and, and what HBO is going to do. And and like, yeah. like there's like four different Fire things stick, on Roku, Roku that app, don't work. Yeah, all of it. You know? But it's all no one's gotten it right yet. Like there's not one place that you can just tune into and just have it all. It feels like, you know, the reason that we use Roku is because we can have Amazon. Yeah, you have to have different platforms because. We're going to make a deal with this group, and then you only get that group's right. you know, programming. Why shows buy for eyeballs? It's like, well, how do we get to see it? And then, like on USA with Robot, they pull the show down off of USA, and they even don't, though you have cable. They don't put it back on demand until maybe like the next week or something. I, it's not even like that. Like I think with Robot uh, seasons one and two, it eventually landed on Amazon, and I purchased it because I wanted to rewatch it before it became like available for Prime. So you're having to do that with shows. It's, it's, so nothing is. There's no perfect way to do it. So if you're into television like we are, 
or making a living at it and caring about it and wanting to tell other people about it, or even if you're just a regular person who wants to see stuff, it's like they're making people jump through hoops and um, I don't know. That's why there's so much pirating going on in the world. I don't do it. I don't have good luck with that. I don't believe in that. But there's a lot of people who are like, fuck this. I'm just going to grab it where I grab it. And, uh, yeah, you guys need to get your act together. People will pay for it. People will pay for it. Make it available. So that's our PSA about that. Sponsor us. So excited. Um, October 11th, Mr. Robot comes back. I know we talk about that at the end of every show. I'm sorry. I, I just I love the show. Season three is going to be, I think, amazing. You I are a robot two. fanatic. I am a fanatic. Um, also excited to, they're shooting the Queen biopic with Rami Malek right now. Seeing some leaked footage of that, that's exciting. Can't. There's a lot of people who think Rami Malek cannot be uh, Freddie Mercury. Look, guys, just do yourself a favor. Don't even think that way. There's only one Freddie Mercury. There's only going to be one Freddie Mercury. And uh, Rami Malek is going to knock it out of the park as best he can as best as any human being can do it so give him a shot that's that's december 2018 maybe don't shit on it until you see it again don't burn the book before you read it read it first and then you can burn it if you want to it's your it's your prerogative um also walking dead is coming back i wasn't excited about it because i think last season we both felt like we got kind of um kicked in the balls with a very very slow season but that but the uh that preview that we saw. Yeah. And in the uh, Talking Dead with um, Gimple and uh, Lenny James and Jeffrey Dean Morgan kind of told me that they say that season eight is going to hit the ground running. And hopefully they just killerize a bunch of people, a bunch of annoying characters, and get some shit done. Will we see in Walking Dead that they do in the comics, do we go forward when Rick is older? Are we going to do that? I don't know. What are we going to do with Carl? We're going to age that guy? I mean, I don't know. What's going to happen? Uh, I think they got at least. They're going to do one more season and then we might jump time? To this season and the next season. And then jump time? Maybe. Before they wrap it up. I think it'll be done. Yeah. Two seasons, everybody will be like ready to. I think two to three seasons. The franchise, I mean, because really. Well, Sonequa has gone off and she's doing doing Star Trek. Uh, Danae's doing well. She was in Black Panther. She's got a career. Uh, Norman Reedus can do any number of things that he wants to do. Jeffrey Dean Morgan will always work. Poor Andy Lincoln uh, probably would like to have a career outside of The Walking Dead as much as he loves the show. Well, go back and work at home. Doesn't he work over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think this show eats up a lot of his time. Yeah. Um, Lauren Cohen, you know, would probably, you know, like to go do other things. Chandler Riggs, He's, in, he's going to college. You know, he grew up on the show. So as much as I could probably watch... If, if When Walking Dead is good, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my top five favorite things. But when it is... Last season, I wasn't a fan. I know it was hard to make, and a lot went into it. And there were some amazing scenes and amazing episodes and wonderful acting. Um, I like to see us get a little bit further down the road. And, and it's, if it goes as promised and we just hit the ground running, I'd like to see the Heapsters die in episode one of season eight. Just all of them. The Heapsters and the Saviors? Yeah, and they just have like four words in their dying monologue. Heapster lady. I'm Saviors, going up, up, up. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going down, down, down <laughs> now. No. But, what, you know, it's going to be a pretty emotional season. But the show approaches things a little bit more traditional. Um, 
on a network that's done some bold stuff. Again, case in point, Preacher taking some bold steps. Yeah. So what's that going to mean for ratings? It's already in the can, so you can't go in and do any reshoots. So, But I love this cast. I feel like I know everybody on that crew. I feel like I know the executive producers. So you want to wish them well, and we, we do wish them well. You guys take care of yourselves out there. Um, I have a new uh, show that's crack. It's on Netflix. It's in season 22 for a reason. Escape to the country. Uh, if you want to just sit and watch a bunch of lovely English people with a lot of money uh, buy stuff in the countryside, please watch that show. It's amazing. Another other great shows. Uh, anything that you're checking into? We're, we're watching I'm, the Dodgers. Yeah, I'll turn it around. Um, I'm on Rick and Morty season two. Yes, Rick and Morty podcast is coming. So I'm going through that, and uh, yeah, that's all I'm watching right now. We'll be back to talk about season three of Rick and Morty when uh, all the episodes air, which is only a couple of weeks from now. I'm still wrapped. I'm still on my um, Twin Peaks post post show post gig. You're still kind of worn out. You know, I'm still kind of like coming down off of that. It was a lot, and I still think about it every day. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You still think about it. Like on the walk with the dog today, I was like, there was like a twin freak, tw- twin freaks. Twin Peaks uh, thing that just went through my mind. I like, I, I'm, wow. still hook, I'm still hung up on the fact that Judy created the bug that went into Sarah Palmer's mouth, and she's been hosting the evil all along in Twin Peaks and um, was the overlord the entire time. That's why she can take her face off and the whole nine and split into two and get herself a drink while she's answering the door and talking to Hawk. I, I totally believe that we got a lot of it right. Um, Speaking of Twin Peaks, I want to say a farewell to Harry Dean Stanton, who passed away uh, yesterday on Friday, um, September 14th, 2017. He was 91 years old. He gave us decades of beautiful films, and he's a wonderful soul, and they don't make Harry Dean Stanton's. You'll never see the like of him again. So if you want to enjoy and respect the work of uh, a man who was like no other, uh, we lost a good one again. Go check out the work of Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, We're heartbroken. He lived his life the way he wanted to, and we should all be so lucky. So, Harry Dean, wherever you are, uh, I think you were hoping for nothing. So here's to being in the nothingness or the great afterlife where you were cherished for the wonderful man that you are. They don't make them like that. So Um, good night and farewell, sir. Good night and farewell. And next week, we will not be recording outside. Nope. Cue the plane.